Episode number 205, WSOP Warm-Up. Welcome to the Heads Up Poker Podcast. This is Steve Barton, and thank you for tuning in. I am coming to you from Natal, Brazil. I have been out here for about a week and a half. It is amazing. I'm uh, basically swimming with the dolphins and uh, putting my feet in the sand and studying poker. (laughs) That's about it. Uh, Actually, no, I am prepping for a half marathon. Um... I, uh, my goal is to run the LA Marathon. Uh, it'll be in about 11 months, uh, but I got a half marathon coming up here in the end of May. Uh, so I'm excited about that. My goal is to do it in under two and a half hours. That may be slightly optimistic, but um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I would definitely recommend Brazil as a vacation spot. Uh, it is incredibly cheap here. I am living like a king for about 65 or $70 a day. Um, and that's including hotel, that's including everything. It's, um, I'm, I'm not skimping on nice meals and I'm not skimping on alcohol either. So it's uh, uh, highly recommended. A lot of fun. Um, but I've also been studying quite a bit. Uh, I've been going through Alex's uh, program master tournament poker in one class uh it is an amazing amazing content i love it uh this is the best class i've ever taken on poker um so master tournament poker in one class i want to go over it with you guys uh tell you what i've learned and uh just right off the bat in the title um how is that possible and what does he mean by mastering poker okay what he's talking about is basically becoming a winning player He's talking about the top 5%. So through analytics, uh, we know that 95% of players are losing or break-even players. All right, Only 5% of the field are winning players. Now, this class is not going to prep you for a 10K buy-in. But this class will prep you for 2K and less. Okay, so if you're playing $200 tournaments at your local casino, if you're playing 1K tournaments, if you're playing 1500s, if you're playing 2Ks, this class is for you. If you're playing 5Ks and 10Ks, now you're getting into the elite players, and this is not the class for you. All right, so that's our target. Um, This has been proven by online poker sites as far as like how many losing players there are out there, and it's a simple mathematics of who consistently makes withdrawals and who continually, consistently makes deposits, all right? Only 5% of the field is walking away with a paycheck, all right? Um, So how can we master tournament poker in one class? Alex gives a great example, and I'm going to use the same one. Language acquisition, okay? Starting to learn a new language, all right? Now, when I went down to South America for the first time six or seven years ago, Um, My buddy Joe and I, we went down with the goal of learning Spanish. We completely immersed ourselves in it. And we hired a guy, his name was Victor, to teach us Spanish. And basically we'd go out to the park every day and uh, sit on the park bench and he would sit there and teach us Spanish. And the first thing he did was he started with the alphabet. It felt like a little bit like we were in kindergarten, but 
his reasoning was, and I see the brilliance of it now, is he said, if you don't know how to sound out a word and to say it correctly, you're never going to learn the language. So we started with the alphabet, and then we went on to the few hundred most common words. Um, now, once you get down the first couple hundred most common words of a language, you can very quickly go to 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 words. Now, ironically, Tim Ferriss talks about this with learning a new language, is he says that if you can get down the 2,500 most common words in a language, you'll be considered fluent because those 2,500 words make up 95% of the most common words that are used in that language, which if you can understand 95 out of 100 words in any given conversation, you're considered fluent. All right. Now, Spanish, specifically, has 100,000 words. So it's pretty amazing that you can know 2,500 of them and be considered fluent. You only know 2.5% of all the words in Spanish, but you're considered fluent. This is what Alex does with this class. So I'm in Brazil right now, and I want to learn Portuguese, and I'm doing the same thing. I spent 10 minutes on Google, and I learned the Portuguese alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, H, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, K, L, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. All right, 10 minutes, I got the alphabet down. I'm working on the most common words right now. And once I get those 200 words down, I can very quickly move to the next thousand for for example, um, okay, I'll use a Spanish example because most guys are probably more familiar with that. The Spanish word tener, to have, okay? So if you can say to have something, that's a very common word. It's probably in the top 20. Um, you can quickly go to picking up five other words. And those words are tengo, which means I have. And then you could say tienes, which means you have. Or you could say DNA, which means he has or she has. You could say tenemos, which means we have. Or you could say tienen, which means they have. Then you can also go into the past. So just having that root word of tener, tener, uh, you can go into the past tense and then the future tense, right? Voy a tener, I am going to have, right? It just builds from there. We do the same thing with Alex's class here. So um, Alex calls it, and he, he didn't make this up on his own. I've heard the same thing from Tim Ferriss. He calls it the MED, the Minimum Effective Dose, MED, Mike Echo Delta. All right? It's, um, we want to learn the, the Minimum Effective Dose. I learned this from Tim Ferriss, and so did Alex as well. Uh, I learned it from Tim when it came to uh, working out in his book, The 4-Hour Body. He talks about the minimum effective dose of building muscle mass. And so in a nutshell, you guys may have heard me talk about it on the show before, but basically you want to, um, you want to lift a specific weight to the point of failure after 80 to 120 seconds. 
So really, you're only lifting that weight for 80 to 120 seconds until you fail, until you're trying to lift the weight up and the weight is physically going down because your muscles are exhausted. Yep, that's it. That's the minimum effective dose. That's the fastest and the uh, most effective way to get the most muscle mass in the least amount of time. So that's what we're doing here with Alex's program. All right, start with the basics. Um, sometimes we can, in poker, we can get the fancy play syndrome by three betting king five suited out of the big blind, but we never really had to learn how to play tens correctly. Okay, so we're focusing on the most important two and a half percent of poker. We're focusing on the alphabet. We're focusing on, um, you know, the two and a half percent that's going to get you the 95% of results. All right. Uh, so why is Alex so qualified? All right, well, I can tell you specifically, um, I've been one of his students. He's taught well over a thousand students. I'm one of them. Uh, his average lesson time is between three and five hours, which ironically is how long this course is. Um, and in that time, each student expects their game to be completely reworked. All right. Alex puts it a great way when he talks about uh, teaching, uh, which he's an amazing teacher. Uh, and he says that the best teacher is not the one with the most wisdom, but the best teacher is the one who can transfer the most wisdom to his students. And he does this perfectly. Um, he says the program takes three to five hours. It took me four, and that's after memorizing some mnemonics and simple charts. Um, you get the first hour for free just by being a Heads Up Poker podcast listener. And when you get the program at the end of the show, I'll tell you how to get 75% off. Alrighty, pop quiz, hotshot. Let's do a little quiz here. What hand group makes up 85% of your profits in No Limit Hold'em? Okay, so if you were to play only these hands for the rest of your life, you would be a winning player. Think about that. All right. What hands make up 85% of your profits in No Limit Hold'em? Do you know? I didn't know before going through this course. Um, I quit Blackjack back in 2003 and I started playing Hold'em and I was a losing player until 2007. When I started winning, what I did was I started playing only these hands and it's not because Alex's program was around back then. It took me four years to figure it out. Okay, you can learn this in less than an hour just watching his free video. All right. Um, once uh, got a little fireworks going on back here. Um, I wasn't a huge winner uh, once I uh, started winning in 2007, but I was finally in the green. And I wish this program was out there when I started in 2003 because I could have saved myself a lot of money and the frustration of just losing for four years in a row. Um, you know, so where, where do you think you make 85% of your profits from? It's in his video, and I'll give you a clue. It's probably much tighter than you think. All right. So what is the average poker player doing, and how do we take advantage of it? How do we exploit it? Remember, everyone gets dealt the same number of hands over a lifetime. They get dealt the same hands over a lifetime. The winning player makes more money when he's dealt the better hands, and he loses less when he's dealt the bad ones. So remember, we know that 95% of players are losing players, 
So 19 out of 20 times, and I'm doing air quotes here, the standard play is wrong. Okay? All right. How do we know this? What did Alex do? Analytics. Have you guys seen or read the book Moneyball? Okay, what we learned from that was uh, basically, if you guys are familiar with baseball, it they basically took analytics and they found out some of the most important analytics when it comes to winning baseball games, all right? And some of the most important analytics were you got to score runs. You have to score points, just like any other game, right? If the other team can't score and you only score one point, no matter what the game is, you win, right? With baseball, the most important analytic was getting players on base, their on-base percentage. So, get more players on first base. How do you do that? Back then, there was a stigma that it wasn't good to be walked. We now know that getting a walk is just as good as getting hit by a pitch, uh, getting a bunt, and still getting on base. Um, Anything to get on first base, because if you can get on first, then you can make it to second, you can make it to third, you can make it to home. But if you never make it to first, you're never going to get a run, you're never going to get a point, you're not going to win the game. All right? Now, what is this analytic in poker? In baseball, it's on base percentage. In poker, what Alex has done is he's looked over millions of hands, live and online, and he's found specific spots and hands that are profitable and other ones that are not. Okay, so how did he do this? He looks over his students' hands. Remember, he's had a thousand different students, a lot of them online, and he's found patterns, basically the same thing they did with uh, baseball. He's noticed things like every time that his students play aces and they slow play them, they win an average of five big blinds. And every time they play them aggressively, they make an average of 10 big blinds, okay? And these are good professional winning players. Well, that's good to know. Note to self, don't solo play aces, all right? He's noticed other things. When they call three bets out of position with marginal hands, like King Jack suited and King 10 suited, they lose money, okay? Good players calling bets out of position with marginal hands, they can't win money. Offsuit aces, and unsuited broadways are losing money. Okay, how often do you play uh, king-queen offsuit? Right? Maybe we shouldn't be playing those. Okay, that's also nice to know. His class is, it's full of little golden nuggets like this where the changes are easy to implement and, I mean, really the results are instant because they're so easy to learn, you just start doing that. Um, so, what's your edge? What, what's your edge in the games you play? All right? What is your strong point? What's your edge? Do you think Phil Helmuth ever sits down at a poker table and doesn't know what his edge is? I'm going to tell you your edge. You keep the betting lead. Aggression. Okay? Now, not blind aggression. That's going to hemorrhage money. But calculated aggression at very specific moments and in very specific scenarios. All right? So, generally speaking, usually, betting is going to be better than checking. And usually, three betting is going to be better than calling, okay? Keeping the betting lead, all right? Alex's class, it follows a logical pattern, and he teaches us about the most important thing, most important thing in poker. Um, he teaches us what to do pre-flop. He goes over cold calling, three betting, four betting, five betting, 
and uh, post-flop play. I really like the post-flop part. It's really, really good. Uh, he shows us exactly what to do, which hands um, against the field, and and he shows the analytics, and you can see that it makes money. All right. Um, he then solidifies what you've learned throughout the course, and it just really sticks in your head. When he does the quiz at the end of it, uh, I got... Let's see, I didn't add them up, but I know I got... Uh, at least 80%, okay? And that's after only, only going through it once. All right, um, let's do another little uh, quiz here. All right, how do you play your small pairs? How do you play your small pairs? If you got to pause it, pause it, pause it, think about it. How do you play your small pairs? Do you limp? Do you open for a raise? So we'll call our small pairs here twos through sixes. Um, let's say you're in position and someone is raised in middle position and you've got two th twos through sixes on the button. Do you call a raise uh, when you're in position? Do you three bet them in position and limp call out of position? Do you always just fold them? Um, what do you do on the flop when you don't hit? All right, now I can tell you that the field, the 95%, okay, the standard play is they limp or they call a raise pre-flop, then they play fit or fold on the flop. Okay, we all do this and we have no statistical evidence that it works. All right, we flat twos through sixes on the button to a raise and then we fold if we don't hit a set and we continue if we do. So which of these is the most profitable? Do you even know? I didn't before taking this class. But think about this, you're better than this. Just the fact that you're listening to this show tells me that you wanna get better at the game. All right, here's another little quiz. Assuming you don't have a premium hand, when you raise pre-flop, what is the best thing that can happen? All right, we got a few options here. Everyone folds, the big blind calls, the button calls, multiple players call, or someone three bets you from the blinds. Okay, you don't have a premium hand. When you raise pre-flop, what is the best thing that can happen? Everyone folds, the big blind calls, the button calls, multiple players call, someone three bets you from the blinds. All right, unpause it, think about your answer, and be able to articulate out loud why. This is gonna help your learning. All right, got your answer. Wouldn't it be weird if you were playing soccer and you didn't know where the goal was? Like it was just this invisible thing that moved around the field and only the referee could see it. And they'd blow the whistle at the end of the game and then everyone would look up at the scoreboard to see who won. Like that's what you're doing if you don't know the answers to these questions. And I'm no different when I uh, went through this. All right, you're basically playing battleship and blindly trying to score a hit without any statistical data to back it up. All right. And you've been doing this for so long, it's become instinct, and you don't even know if you're making money or hemorrhaging it. All right, when you go through this course for the more advanced players, Alex shows exactly how to find this data in your database and uh, be able to use it specifically for you. But after millions of hands, odds are you're just like his students. Okay? Um, PBSH, we've talked about this one before. Position, big pots, superior hands, heads up. All right. Uh, the one you can fudge on a little bit here is the superior hand. All right. So when we're when we're playing this game, we want to have position. That's 
like the whole game right there. We want to have position. We want to play bigger pots. Uh, we want to play uh, better hands, and we want to play heads up. Multi-way pots are death. All right, so the one we can fudge a little bit on is the superior hand. We want to at least, what Alex calls it, half a hand. All right, so like 9-7 suited is half a hand. All right. Um, I also want to talk about, he talks about uh, three betting quite a bit. So what hands should we always three bet for value? And I know I said always, but just run with me on this one, okay? What hands should we always three bet for value? What hands should we three bet frequent openers that are opening in late position? What hands should we three bet prolific openers from late position? And you, I think you know what I'm talking about, prolific openers. They're the overly aggressive players. Uh, Helmuth would call them a jackal. Right? I might be dating myself a little bit referencing a book that I read in 2004, but there it is. Um, what hands should you always five bet with? And I can hear you saying it already, and you're like, but always, Steve, we can't do things in, in poker and always. What about balance? You have to have balance, okay? You know what? F balance, all right? I have always thought this, and Alex has confirmed it for me, and especially in live poker. When you play a live tournament and you play an average of 50 hands with a random player and then the table breaks and you never see him again, what good did balance do you? Okay, why not just make the most profitable play? All right, let's say you're at the end of a soccer match. All right, the game was tied, and now you're going down to penalty kicks. And you have a scouting report on this goalie, and he jumps left 95% of the time. All right, you can see the, the correlation here. 95% of the field is losing players. This goalie jumps left 95% of the time. So if you were balanced, you would flip a coin and let that decide which side you're going to kick to, right? So half the time you'd kick left, half the time you'd kick right, and you'd be balanced. You'd be perfectly balanced, and you would be unexploitable, all right? But if you went to the, by the scouting report, you would kick it right every time, and you would score 19 out of 25, uh, 19 out of 20 times that you did so. So I say F balance, and so does Alex and use the scouting report that works against the field, the 95% of players, and just exploit the shit out of them. Okay, this is how you make money at this game, and this is how you enter the 5% club. Learn the alphabet, learn the 200 words, and then progress to 2,500 words, and become fluent by mastering the 2.5% of this game that's the most important, and that the 95% of players never bother to do. All right? Once you know your opponent... You can beat him. So, what is the field terrible at? Think about this. Go ahead and pause it. What is the field terrible at? What are the 95% of these players bad at? All right. Got your answer? Okay. After going through all of Alex's analytics and teaching thousands of students, the field is terrible at bluffing, and they are incredibly terrible at folding, okay? So remember, the field is not playing to make money. He is playing to feel good about himself. So if he bluffs, he has to look like an idiot if he's wrong. He's got to show his hand, and then you show a hand that's a little bit better, and now he looks like an idiot, right? But if he calls, 
and he's wrong, he just mucks his hand. Nobody sees it. And if he's right, he shows his hand, and now he looks like a genius because he called down with three pair, with third pair, right? So knowing that, how do we exploit him? Okay, we value bet. Value bet, value bet, value bet. All right? You might be saying, Steve, pot control. I, I, checked, I checked that turn to pot control. No, what you really did was you were afraid you were going to get check raised and you would have to fold your hand. But now, thanks to Alex, we know that the field only check raises the flop 10% of the time. They check raise the turn 7% of the time. And they check raise the river 4% of the time. So if you ever get check raised by the field, you should fold your hand there because you're beat. You're beat and you found out now, so fold. Okay, Alex goes through a bunch of examples, and there's one that I wanted to share with you guys that was, um, I was sure I would get it right, and even though that he said that 95%, or I'm sorry, 98% of players get this wrong, um, and I can't wait for it to come up at the WSOP because it comes up all the time, um, but I ended up getting it wrong, but I know the answer now, so I uh, can't wait to use it. All right, here's an example. All right, uh, you have 50 big blinds, and you have ace-10 offsuit in late position. All right? Uh, you raise to three big blinds. The button calls three big blinds from a 50 big blind stack as well, and the blinds fold. All right? So we got eight and a half big blinds in the pot. We got the three plus three, that makes it six. One big blind from the big blind, half a big blind, that makes it seven and a half, plus the annies makes it eight and a half total, right? So with ace 10 off suit, we're out of position against a button caller and the flop comes king 10 rainbow. I'm sorry, we need three cards to make a flop. King 10 five rainbow, all right? So what do we flop? We flop middle pair, great kicker, all right? And the action is on us. All right, now I want you to pause Hit the pause button and think what you would do against this. We got two options here. We can check or we can bet. If you decide to bet, you need to say an amount. All right? Pause it. Think about that. Eight and a half big blinds in the pot. We have 47 big blinds affected behind. Ace 10 offsuit. Flop is king 10 5 rainbow. Got your answer? Okay. Now, against the field, 19 out of 20 times, checking here loses money. Against the field, 19 out of 20 times, betting half pot or more loses money. There is a way to play this spot and make money, but it's neither of these two options. And you can use this example for many different examples. Okay? We can use it for 910 on a board of queen, 10, four, all right? We can use it even with better kickers there, with jack 10 on the same board, all right? Alex keeps it simple. We gotta learn the alphabet, the most common words, and become fluent so you can master this game in three to five hours and start making money playing this game that we all know and love so much, all right? Only our listeners watch the first hour for free. Learn what hands make 85% of your profits from poker. 
All right, when you get the full program, get yourself 75% off by using the code HUPOKER. Same code as Elliot Rowe. I've been playing this game since 2003, making a profit since 2007, and this is the best class I have ever taken on poker. Hands down. Master Tournament Poker in One Class by Alexander Fitzgerald. Click on the link in the show notes, or go to headsuppoker.poker, go to the Support Us tab, click on Alex's video there. Any proceeds from the show will go directly to the scholarship that we do every year. And uh, let's see, I will be out in Vegas from June 9th through June 25th. If you want to meet up, I would love to have a beer with you, or maybe swap some action for a tournament we're both in. Um, I will be selling action to a few of the bigger tournaments I'm playing at 1.1 markup. Um, I'll talk it over with Mikey uh, the next time he comes on uh, what schedule I'm going to have. I'm sure he'll be out there. We can talk him into it. Uh, We'll probably want one of our greatest hits for the next episode. I'm going to be bouncing around uh, Brazil here. My buddy gets into town here shortly. And uh, then we'll be back in the swing of things for the WSOP. Oh, I got a message from Brian, long-time listener. He says, uh, Steve, I'll be out there the June 25th for the Rio Deep Stack 600, Colossus 400. Are the lines long to register? Yes. <laughs> I would get there early or, uh, you know, make it an experience, show up the day before, um, and then you can just walk right in 10 minutes before the tournament starts. But you want to play the first levels of these tournaments, Brian, uh, because this is where the worst players in the tournament are. Um, I'm probably going to miss you because i got to leave the 25th. Uh, unless uh, me, Jason, Mikey, and Dylan uh, make day two of the tag team event. So hopefully I'll uh, be there. Uh, if you like the show, rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to submit a hand to the podcast, do so by going to headsuppoker.poker or write into headsuppokerpodcast at gmail.com. We'll read it up on the air. Follow me on Twitter at podcast. And thank you for tuning in. Here is your weekly motivational speech. It's about digging inside and figuring out what are the things that control every thought, every feeling and emotion of your life. If you ever wanted to make a change, you wanted to lose weight, you wanted to transform your relationship, you wanted to make a shift financially in your life, and you find yourself making progress but pulling back, or never really even getting started, just being excited about it for a while, talking about it but not really following through, then there's something there, something that affects the way you follow through, something that affects the quality of your life. And I'm here to tell you there's two things that control everything in your life. Every thought, every feeling, every emotion, every action you have in your life. What you're wearing today, whether you're going to turn this off within a few minutes or whether you're going to stick with me here for two or three minutes, is all controlled by two things, your beliefs and your values. Whatever you believe, if you think life is just a waste of time, doesn't matter what you do, or you know, you're big boned, then obviously you're not going to go for it, you're not going to try to lose weight, you're not going to go push for that next level of your career or your finances or, or your relationship or anything else. Beliefs control us, but so do our values. Some people, you know, value just kicking back. Some people value making it happen. Some people value their family the most. Some people value love. But you know what the real challenge is? We have values in conflict. When you really want to make a difference in the world, or you really want to do well for your family, or you really want to do well financially, but simultaneously, you know, you don't want to upset anybody. You want to be totally honest, and you want to make everybody happy. When we have conflicts between what we want and what we think we can have, or you know, you have a goal of what you really want to make happen, but then you have this other belief inside that says, 
this damn stuff never does work. Those inner conflicts are what keep people from using all of their energy. It's kind of like taking two steps forward and three steps back. 